on Sub 30. Are we good? Awesome. Hey, let's welcome everyone tuning in online, all of our online audience. Man, let's put our hands together. Welcome them to the service tonight. Glad to have you from wherever you're watching. Really glad that you're here and that you're joining in with the Sub 30 family. And uh, man, it's good to see each other. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, we didn't have uh, a Sub 30 specific service over Easter, but man, did you enjoy Easter weekend at Celebration? If you were here, it was awesome. Uh, that's a lot of people who gave their life to Christ uh, across um, all of our campuses, across the globe, over 1,100 people. Um, that is something spectacular. Um, I, I follow just, you know, by nature of, you know, I'm in ministry and stuff like that. I follow, you know, other churches and pastors and stuff online. And like when you just sit back and look at just a, a simple Easter weekend at the number of people that give their life to Jesus worldwide on one individual day, it's astonishing. And so I just think we should just give God some praise one more time time for just an awesome, awesome weekend last year. And uh, many of those people uh, here locally have uh, already been water baptized in one of our services uh, this morning. And, uh, and man, tonight at, at Sub 30, we're going to have an opportunity to do that to, uh, as well. Myself and Pastor Keith and Keith Jr., Pastor Layton and some others, we're going to be out at the pools immediately after this service. And uh, if you would want to get water baptized tonight, uh, it would be our privilege uh, to be with you in that moment. And it's just simple. There's nothing really spooky about it. It's just something that God's Word tells us is a very, very powerful uh, thing to do. It's just going public with your faith. On the inside, you know you love Jesus, but now on the outside, people know you're taking that stand for Jesus. It's just as simple as that. And if you've never done it, then uh, tonight can be your night to participate. If you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up. We're going to get into the Word. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to go. And we're uh, going to flip to a few different passages real quick. Starting in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We got you covered. Um, it'll be up on the screen to your left. And to your right, it says this, starting in verse 17, it says, But the Lord stood at my side. This is Paul writing to Timothy, all right? Uh, Paul is a guy in the New Testament, wrote a lot of the New Testament, and uh, he's writing a letter. This is an actual written letter uh, to one of his, like, younger dudes that he was kind of training up. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, everyone say, through me! Through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. It's, it's very clear right here. We're going to pause. It's very clear right here that God is passionate about his message of salvation getting out to the world. And he makes it very, very clear to us how that's going to happen. Through me. Through you. How is, the, how is the whole world going to be evangelized? How, are, how is everyone, billions and billions of people across the world, how are people going to hear about Jesus? It's simple, through you, through me, through us. That's how it's going to happen. It's a very, very simple plan, and God was passionate about it. And he goes on to say, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth, Paul said. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue, everyone say rescue. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 2. If you don't have time to turn there, just write it down. You can read it later. Galatians 1, starting in verse 2. This is Paul writing another letter to the church at Galatia. And he says this, To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from our God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue. Everyone say it again. Rescue to rescue us from this present evil age uh, according to the will of our God and Father. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And finally, Luke chapter 19. 
Luke 19, starting in verse 9, this was the story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church, you might know this story. He was a, a short guy, climbed a tree to see Jesus who was passing by and the whole deal. And uh, it says this in verse 9, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Anyone ever heard that scripture before? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. It's an, it's an awesome kind of title of the purpose of God coming to the world. And if you want to take notes and you want to write some things down, I, I've simply entitled the next uh, 30 minutes or less, uh, Rescued, We're Going Home. Rescued, We're Going Home. Why don't we bow our heads and we'll pray. Father, we love you. Lord, it's a privilege to be in church. God, we know that you speak to us, uh, Lord, when we lean in. When we want to hear, we always hear. God, you're always going to speak to us. It's, it, you never let anyone down. You, people who want to lean in tonight, you're never going to disappoint. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would shape us. I pray we'd see things we've never seen before. God, it would be of great benefit to us, and that will continue to grow and mature in our relationship with you. God, what you came to do in the earth, Lord, that's what we want to be a part of. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Rescued. We're going home. Um, I love war movies. Anyone like war movies? Uh, they're some of my favorites. I, I like just large-scale action-packed action, suspense, adventure, um, all those types of movies. Movies that really make you like just get caught up in the moment, make you maybe consider again the grandness of life and, and, and out of billions of people in the world, the amount of stories that are all simultaneously playing out at one time. I, I love war movies because it gives us a glimpse maybe into the past as to what happened and maybe what's ahead and all of this kind of stuff. They're just big epic dramas normally, like a, a typical war movie. And, and a lot of war movies or movies like it, films like it, um, will, will sometimes have like a search and rescue aspect into the film. You know, we've all seen that the military or, you know, the SEALs or the whoever, they're out, they're going to search and rescue and find someone. And, and there's kind of like a line that I've noticed in a lot of movies like this, especially search and rescue type movies. Um, whenever someone was trapped or captured and, and now someone has come to grab them, they'll say this line, they'll, they'll grab the person who was captured, like load them up in the, in the helicopter, load them up in the truck. And sometimes they'll say this, hey man, we're, we're going home. We're, we're going home, right? It's a, it's a search and rescue mission. We're going home. In other words, where you currently have been is not home. Where you currently have been is foreign. Where you currently have been is, is far off, but now someone has come to bring you home. That is a rescue miss, mission. You find them and you bring them home. You see, Sub 30, what I wanted to do just a week following Easter is I wanted to remind all of us after we just celebrated Easter together and what Jesus came to do and he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again from the dead and what an amazing thing to celebrate. Like we would never have hope had it not been for what Jesus did uh, about 20 uh, or about 2020 years ago. Like that, what an amazing thing to celebrate. But I came to remind us tonight that Jesus did not just rescue us from hell, sin, and death so that he would then, then leave us just stranded and abandoned. He rescued us to take us somewhere, and that would be home. It was, a, it was a rescue mission for Jesus. He came to seek and to save. And that in and of itself tells us two very powerful thoughts that Jesus would do that. Number one, if Jesus came all this way for me, then number one, I apparently need to be rescued. Some people don't even think they need to be rescued. Oh, you need to be rescued. Jesus made a long trip. Jesus left the perfect place 
100% God put on flesh and bone to come down here. If it was that important, then apparently I need to be rescued. But then the second thing you got to take note of is this. If Jesus is taking me home, then this must not be home. If he came all this way, I I must need to be rescued. And if he's taking me home, then this must not be home. You see, I, I came to remind us tonight, don't forget how distant your sins made you from God. Boy, they distance us from God, that you were never getting back to God had it not been for Jesus. Jesus did the work that you and I could not do for ourselves. What was that work? He rescued us. You were never going to rescue yourself. That was never going to happen. You were never by yourself going to get out of the grasp of sin and death and hell. But Jesus in his great love and grace for humanity did what you and I could not accomplish. It's a rescue mission. He rescued us. But I also want to remind some people in here tonight, look, don't get too comfortable because this ain't home. That's a, that's, a really, that's a really amazing thought. Because some people in life, they, they, they think like, man, life is going so well right now. It can't get any better than this. Oh, it gets better. It gets so, so even if you think life is awesome right now in Christ, don't get too comfortable because this ain't home. For Jesus has prepared a place that is far greater and far better than anything you have experienced thus far in the world. But that's also encouraging to the person who feels like life's going down the toilet right now. Because maybe you need to be reminded too, hey man, it might be tough right now, but the good news is this ain't home. And when you're in Christ, man, there's a better place that we all get to experience one day. This isn't home. You know, home is a very interesting word, home. You know, for most people out there, uh, the word home, when you hear that word, it brings up thoughts of rest, comfort, and relaxation, routine, the familiar. If someone were to come up to you and they're like, hey man, we're going home. Like you probably think, like, oh, thank God, man. All right, I can get some rest. I can relax. Like, but but I've, I've been in ministry now for 10 years and I've come to realize this. Home is not a great word for everybody. Some people hate the word home. Because home brings up thoughts that are full of despair. Home brings up thoughts and emotions that are sad and depressing and desolate. And if you're in here tonight and the word home brings up bad memories for you, then you need a proper definition of home. Because I have a feeling that there's some people in here tonight, and maybe you grew up in a house, but it was never a home. See, there's a difference. I didn't know if you knew there was a difference. There's a difference between a house and a home. A house might be a physical roof over your head, but a home is a harbor of love in a place where pain is not allowed. That's what home is. Maybe you grew up in a house, but you never really experienced a true home. Now, obviously, in this earthly life and an earthly home, there may be occasions where pain comes in. That's just part of having to deal with living with other flawed human beings sometimes. But I believe this. I believe home, a true home, is a place that seeks to help and never to harm. A home is a place that seeks to shelter, never to shame. A home is a place that seeks to bring pleasure and not pain. It seeks to bring enjoyment and not torment. That's a true home. And there is no greater home imaginable than the one that Jesus is preparing for every single person that calls upon the name of him. He's preparing a place and it's going to be amazing. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save Sub 30. We're going somewhere with this tonight, but but I need you to understand this. It was a rescue mission to find and to bring. He came to earth because you and I so desperately needed to be saved. Gosh, we needed to be saved. 
And Jesus did what we could not do. So now watch this. Now, as a believer in Christ, I've placed faith in Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. I want to serve him for the rest of my life. Now, as a believer, I believe this. I believe that what Jesus is all about should now transfer onto your life, and you should want to be about everything that Jesus is about. And if Jesus is a seek and save kind of God, if that was so near and dear to the heart of God that he would leave heaven and come down to a messy, jacked up world to seek and to save, then now me in Christ, I want to be about seeking and saving. God, if it was that important to you, then I want it to be heavy on my heart as well. I want to be a part of the mission. This whole thing is a rescue mission. I want to be a part of what Jesus came to do. I want to be a part of the seeking and the saving. There should just be something that rises up inside of the life of a, a true believer that says, I want to be a part of helping others get home too. If you're in Christ, I'm glad you're going home. I'm glad you're going to be in heaven one day. We're all going to be there. It's going to be a great time. But boy, while you're still here, something should be in your heart that says, man, I want to take as many people as I can that are around me with every last moment that I have. It's a seek and save mission. If you want to be a part of a rescue mission like that, if you want to be a part of seeking and saving just like Jesus did, and he can empower you to do so, that's awesome. But I want to give you a few things. I want to help you understand what the rescue mission is going to entail. I wrote some things down about what rescuing is, and if you want to take these down, I think it will be beneficial to you. Number one is this, rescuing is inconvenient. Boy, it was inconvenient what Jesus came to do. For us, leaving a perfect place, he certainly went out of his way to come and bail us out of a massive jam called sin. It was inconvenient for Jesus. If you want to be a part of the rescuing, if you want to be a part of the seeking and saving, it will bring inconvenience to your life at times. It's not, in, it's not convenient having to spend time walking someone through life's hardships. Sometimes that's very tough. You know, I did middle and high school ministry for a long time uh, before I ever did like college and young adult ministry with you all. And, um, and one thing I noticed about being like a high school pastor is that high school students always tried to contact me at the most inconvenient times ever. You know what I mean? Like they, they can never text you or call you at five in the afternoon. It's always going to be 11 p.m. midnight, one o'clock in the morning. You're getting these texts coming through. Youth pastors, am I lying? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Come on. Like it's the truth. It's the most inconvenient time ever, right? And here they are, they're, they're texting, it's the middle of the night, I'm asleep, my phone's going off, I'm reaching over, and man, they got, they got questions about God, and they got, some of them are men having suicidal thoughts, and it's like real like self-harm kind of stuff, real serious, and, and that's always the times that they're looking for counsel. That's always the times they're looking for, um, for wisdom on how to grow and get past a certain area. And can I tell you this? It's inconvenient. But rescuing is inconvenient. Being a part of the seeking and saving, it's inconvenient at times. You know, I, I looked this up. The Washington Post studied 35,000 cases of suicide. And this is what they found, that suicide is six times more likely at night. Studied 35,000 cases. The Medical Daily Journal studied those same cases. And they came to this conclusion that the suicide rates are the absolute highest between 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. Sometimes when you're ministering to people... Sometimes when your life is all about helping people grow in God and get home, it's going to be inconvenient at times. Sometimes the ministering comes at inconvenient moments 
But that's what rescuing is, and that's what we've signed up for. I thought about this. We live in the most convenience-seeking society to ever walk the face of the planet. You and I are part of it. In 2016, we live in the most convenient-seeking society where people would rather not do something at all. Even if it's something you really, really want to do, they would rather not do it at all if it's not going to be convenient for them. Think about how this plays out in really silly, like ridiculous kind of ways in our life. Like I've been guilty of this. Like it was just a couple weeks ago where I was leaving here. I was working here. I wanted to get some lunch. I was really, really hungry for like one specific type of food. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. I'm really craving this type of food. Oh, it's definitely what I want. Absolutely, that's what I want. And and so I'm driving around and I really, really want that type of food. But because they didn't have a (laughs) drive-thru, I was like, well, I guess I, I mean, I guess I'm going to, and, and, I, and I went somewhere else and got something that I really didn't want. I really wasn't craving because what I really wanted wasn't convenient enough for me. How many believers are saying no to what God wants them to do with their life or what God wants them to be a part of because it's not convenient enough for them? Sub 30, we got to get past this, spiritually speaking, of course. I don't care where you eat lunch, but... Spiritually speaking, like we got to get past some of this stuff in life that I would say no to being a part of what Jesus ultimately came to do because it's going to bring inconvenience to my life. We got to get past that. It will bring inconvenience to your life if you're a part of the rescue mission. But don't let that stop you from doing what God's called you to do. Rescuing is inconvenient. Number two, rescuing is exhausting. Boy, it's exhausting. If you thought you were tired now, wait till you actually become an active participant in the kingdom of God. You will see tired like you've never seen it before. Tired. It's exhausting. You know, the Bible makes a metaphor describing like new believers and young believers. Uh, And and the metaphor the Bible chooses is, is is it refers to them as infants on milk. That's what the Bible says. Like a a young believer, it's like an infant on milk. Now, any actual parents know that when your baby is still an infant on milk, that it is one of the most tiring seasons you will ever been in. Somebody shout me down. Amen. I know it. I know it's true. I have seen tiredness on levels that I did not even know existed until Jude came into my life. When you're trying to take someone who is immature and you're trying to help them grow and help them get along in life, spiritually speaking, help them get on the journey with Jesus, sometimes it is exhausting. But don't let the exhaust keep you from doing what God came to do. It's the rescue mission. It's the seeking and saving. It's the, it's the main thing that he was all about. And I want to be about that. I'm not going to even let the exhaust keep me out of doing what God wants me to do. Number three, rescuing is expensive. Rescuing is very expensive. I'm not even talking about money right now. What is more valuable than your money? Your time. 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 Rescuing people will cost you the most valuable thing that you have in this life. Time. It's going to cost you your time. I wish it only cost money. Wouldn't it be awesome if like discipling and helping people grow only cost money? It's like you could fully disciple a person for $100. That would be amazing. God, that would be so easy. But it's not that easy. It it costs the most valuable thing. It costs your time. Leading people to experience a God-first life is going to take time. I I even thought about this, you know, like Jesus, he spent spent three years with 12 guys. 
And even at the end of three years, when Jesus ascends back into heaven, they're still kind of scratching their heads, like don't fully understand everything that Jesus said. And like, I thought, like, I thought we were taking over Rome and now you're gone and you're up in a cloud and peace out, you know, Jesus. And like, I don't know, it's like, it takes time. Even Jesus walking with guys, but they fully didn't understand at the end of three years. Boy, when you're a part of rescuing people, when you're a part of seeking and saving, you're a part of discipling others, it is expensive by way of time. You're going to spend time. I, I just want to take a moment right now, and I want to honor and recognize every single sub-30 group leader who is spending the most valuable thing that they have, their time, to see other people grow in a relationship with God. Come on, put your hands together. Let's thank all of our group leaders. I'm so thankful for our group leaders who, it's just people who have seen the value of spending their time in a wise way. If I'm going to spend my time doing anything, I'm not going to spend it all on Xbox. I'm not going to spend it all shopping. I'm not going to spend it all at work, even though work is a productive thing to do. But I'm going to carve out time in my schedule to help other people grow in their relationship with God. I love people that see the value in spending time wisely. The rescue mission is going to be expensive. Number four, rescuing is messy. It's messy. Jesus dealt with messy situations when he came to seek and save. Rescuing people is so messy. It's messy with drama. It's messy with circumstances. It's messy with conflict. Like you literally cannot make up some of the stories that I have seen and walked through when trying to help someone grow in their relationship with God. You, you can't make some stuff up that I've seen. It gets messy sometimes. It gets ridiculously messy. But I learned something a long time ago, and it's this. If you're going to spend your life being a bridge for people to get to Jesus, then you better get ready to get walked on. That's what you're going to do. It's going to get dirty sometimes. You're going to get messy sometimes. If I'm going to lay my life down so someone can go from death to life and meet Jesus, I will get walked on. I will get messy. But don't you ever forget, God got his hands dirty to save you. God got his hands dirty to save me. It's messy sometimes. If there's one thing we know about the world right now is that humanity is messy. It's risky out there. But there's something about the call to follow Jesus that makes me want to spend my life taking risks on risky people. It's what I want to do with my life. You know, I've never seen so many messes in my life until I had Jude, my son. He's 19 months old. I think there's so much about like parenting that relates to the kingdom of God. So I have a lot of parenting illustrations, but like I'm, I'm a pretty OCD person. Anyone who really knows me well knows that about me. I'm extremely clean. I'm extremely organized. I cannot function in a messy, disorganized environment. Have you ever seen the show Monk? That is basically a biography of my life. Okay, that is me. Very, very OCD. I'm a very, very clean person. A house was always clean. Cars always clean. Clothes always clean. Shoes always clean. But then I have a little boy that comes into my life and now mess <laughs> has come into my world. One day I'm out on the golf course. This was several months ago and I'm playing golf with some of my friends and Bethany texts me, my wife, and she goes, Jude has had a blowout. Now any parent knows what a blowout is, right? You already know. Jude has had a blowout. Now, that would not have been the first time I was used to getting those occasional texts about the blowout. And I was like, oh, how bad is it? And then she sends me a picture. Now, whenever you get a picture, whenever you get a picture after the word blowout, you know this is going to be good. And she sends me this picture. They can go ahead and throw it up um, on the screen. Now, now that, now that is not mud. It wasn't like, oh, he got some mud on his shoes before he went down for his nap. That's not what that is. That is not mud. 
now, now as parents, I'm just leave it up for just a second. It's so sick, I know. Um, sometimes as parents, when you walk into a mess, any parent knows this to be true. Maybe you babysat some kids, little kids and stuff like that. It's like you always try to play the role of the detective. And you walk in thinking to yourself, now how in the world? Like, because his hands are clean, right? And so like you're examining this scene and you're like, I don't know how his hands are clean, but it's just like all over how to get on the wall, but his hands are clean. How is it on the door, but he's still in the crib of the room, but his hands are clean. Like you don't know. Sometimes you got to chuck it up and be like, it's going to be one of the first questions I ask God when I get to heaven. I don't know. Right? Right? You, you can take it down. You can take it down now. It's a mess. When you're helping people grow, when you're helping people who are perhaps a little bit more immature in their faith, but they want to gain maturity in Christ, when you are a part of that, you will encounter messy situations. But you know what? I believe this. I believe that God will bless you to handle the mess you encounter. And we need a generation of believers, even though right now our world morally is a mess and politically it's a mess and every way you flip it and turn it, it is a mess and it is absolutely filthy and it's just dirty. If you're going to get involved, boy, we need a generation of believers that can rise up and say, I'm going to minister to the mess. I'm not going to be scared of the mess. I'm not going to retreat from the mess. I don't have a problem getting right in the middle of the mess and helping people get their life cleaned up. That's what Jesus came to do. I want to be a part of that. I'm not afraid to get my hands a little dirty when it comes to helping people grow in their relationship with God. Seeking, saving, rescuing. Sometimes it's messy, but I, I don't want that to hold us back. Number five, there's only two more. Number five, rescuing is never about me. Rescuing is never about me. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, talking about Jesus, says, rather he, Jesus, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. In Philippians chapter 2, what Jesus does right here is the Bible shows us how Jesus models this approach of rescuing. He models how we're to go about this whole mission when the Bible says Jesus made himself nothing. If there was any guy in the history of the world who had every right to make the whole thing all about him, Jesus took the complete opposite approach and he made himself nothing. Can I, can I encourage you in the rescuing? in the seeking and saving as you leave this place tonight and hopefully make the, the decision in your heart, I'm gonna live my life helping other people get home to Jesus. As you go about doing that, I wanna encourage you in the most narcissistic society that has ever been on this planet, don't make it about you. You make it about Jesus. You make it about other people finding Jesus. I'm not rescuing so that people can give me accolades. I'm not going to join in on this thing so that everyone can say, man, that guy's awesome, aren't I? Look how awesome I am. It's never about me. It's always about Jesus and more people getting home. Let's not make it about ourselves. Let's join in the rescuing. Let's join in the mission. But boy, this isn't about me. I'm just glad I get to play a part. And man, Jesus is going to do what he does, and he's going to save people. As the band comes up and joins me tonight, the last thing I want to share is this about rescuing. Rescuing is always worth it. It might be exhausting. 
It might be inconvenient. It might be messy at times. But boy, it's always worth it. Always, always worth it. Back in 2010, I was in Georgia. I was living in the North Atlanta area in 2010. And I was on staff at a large church there. I remember it was about, it was about five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm heading home from the office and where I lived was about 20 minutes away from my office building. And, and I drove the same, you know, route home every single day. And sometimes you sit in traffic and you, you know how it goes. And so here I am and I'm, I'm driving home and and, and one particular day, I notice on the side of the road, a kind of a guy, you know, he's doing the, he's walking backwards and he's got his thumb out. He, he's like an older gentleman. I didn't really know how old, but if I had to guess, he looked like he was maybe 60 years or older. Um, you know, he's kind of just kind of grungy looking, doesn't look like he's very cleaned up. And I didn't know where he was coming from, but it was like this long stretch of road uh, that kind of got rural for a second. So there's not even a lot of businesses or anything around. It's basically just the road. And then you'll eventually hit some neighborhoods. And he's kind of walking down the road and he's doing this whole thing. And, and, you know, I just, you know, it's just a normal day. And I just, I drive right by him. Like we've all driven right past hitchhikers before. And so it was just, wasn't really a big deal. I didn't think much about it. I drive right by him. And the next couple of days, I kind of see him again. I see the same guy doing the same thing and he's wearing the same clothes. And, and, and one particular day though, after a, a few times, one particular day, it's like pouring down rain and I'm driving down the road and there he is again. And, and it was probably, I mean, obviously I think the Holy Spirit kind of spoke to me in that moment. It was probably a combination of like, you know, your heart feels bad because it's just pouring down rain. And here's this guy and he's, he's kind of old and he's on the side of the road and he's walking slow. And so anyway, my heart is moved. Holy Spirit speaks to me. My heart is moved. I, I pull the U-turn. I go back around. It's pouring down rain. I open up the, the door right here. I'm like, hey man, hey, you, you need a ride? Come on, jump on, jump on in. He, he gets in the car, shut the door. In this day and age, just obviously, you know, you should probably just be cautious about stuff like that. You never know who you're picking up. But I felt like for some reason, God was like, pick this dude up. So I pick him up and we get in the car. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? You know, where are you headed? And he's kind of kind of skittish. I don't know if he's not used to, uh, you know, just hanging out and having friends or whatever. And so he doesn't really speak up, but he kind of just like points or whatever. And sure enough, I mean, this dude looks like he's 60 something years old. And, we get in the car and here I am driving and he kind of tells me where he lives and it was a little bit out of the way. Like it's not really towards my house. I kind of had to go like past the turn to get to my house and, and the whole deal. And, and so we get there and I just kind of ask him, you know, normal questions, you know, hey, what, you know, what's your, what's your name? He says, my name's Rex. He's like, Rex, it's nice to meet you. I'm, I'm Clay, you know, and where, where do you live? Oh, just, just, you know, a few miles down that way. All right, cool. Just a simple conversation, really not a lot of talking. Finally get to his house. We pull in, it's, it's a dirt driveway and you kind of have to go back in the woods a little way on this dirt driveway and you eventually come to this trailer home and it looked a bit run down and, and truthfully it, it didn't even look like anyone lived there but obviously this is where he tells me he lives and so we get there and he gets out of the car and you know hey hey thanks and no problem man you know have, have a great day and the, and the whole deal and I just pull back out and I head home you know go home eat dinner with my wife and we just have a good evening together right a couple days later I see him out on the road again so now, now I've like, I've already picked him up once. And so I'm like, well, I'll just pick him up again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just running a shuttle service now. So. <laughs> so I pick him up again. I'm like, hey, Rex, man, hey, you need a ride, man? Come on, come on in. And he kind of gets in. I'm like, hey, man, you remember me from like a couple other days? Dude does not remember who I am. <laughs> Apparently I make a great impression on people. So doesn't remember who I am. So we kind of go through the whole deal again. 
kind of, you know, introduce myself. And we just get to talking. And finally I find out, like, oh, where he's coming from. He's coming from, like, this old tire shop, kind of body shop, uh, like, like, just place. And, and, and I asked him, I was like, oh, do you work there? And he's like, well, I don't really work. I don't really work there. You know, officially I was like, oh, really? You know, well, why is that? And he tells me he, he's had um, episodes of epileptic seizures. And because of his seizures, he's no longer able to be employed um, certain places. And so he really just kind of does odds and ends at this particular body shop. And they just kind of pay him a little bit of money under the table. He walks there in the morning. And then if he can get picked up on the way home, that's great. And, and here he is, and he goes through his life. He goes through his medical history, which was not very good. It was pages and pages long of what he's dealt with in his life and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and over the next several days and weeks, every now and then, I would see Rex on the side of the road, and I would pick him up. And we would just keep talking and talking and talking. And finally, the day came where we're sitting in a 2006 Saab 93 in the middle of a dirt driveway in front of a trailer. And I just look at Rex and I'm like, man, Rex, you know, like we talked for a while and you know, I work at the church down the road and I'm a pastor there. And Rex, I just wanted to just ask you, man, have you, uh, I mean, have you ever made a decision about how you feel about Jesus and did you grow up in church or anything like that? And he just begins to tell me a little bit. And finally we get around to, well, Rex, you know, like, I mean, would you wanna would you wanna pray with me right now? Would you wanna give your life to Jesus and and make him the Lord of your life? And I mean, I'd be happy to pray with you, man. And you know, I mean, Jesus doesn't. I don't, I don't know that you know you're gonna wake up tomorrow and every issue is gonna be solved. But I mean, I I know that Jesus will bring hope into your life. And and I just begin to talk to him and stuff. And and he and he looks at me before he gets out of the car and he says, you know what? I I think I would like to pray that prayer. And so sitting in my car at about six o'clock at night, I lead this sixty-plus-year-old man to the Lord Jesus, he gets out of the car, he walks into his house and, you know, thanks me again for the ride and, and that's it. And, and, and after that moment, when his door shut on his home and I left, I never saw Rex ever again. I saw him all the time on that road. But after that day, I never saw him again. Now you're sitting there thinking to yourself, and I'm sitting like, my goodness, did he, did he, did he pass away? I mean, that would be awful if he passed away. Or, or sometimes as a believer, you're asking yourself that question. You're like, was Rex an angel? Like, <laughs> was Rex like the only angel addicted to Marlboro Lights? Like, was that, was Rex, like, wow, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. All I know is I never saw him again. But can I just tell you in a, in a, in a simple story, like that, it's different. I don't know that the two should be compared, but, but when I preach from a stage and people receive Jesus, it's different when you sit in a car and you lead someone to Jesus. You see, driving Rex around for those few weeks, it wasn't convenient. It was very inconvenient. It was expensive. I was spending time having these conversations going out of my way when I could have got home a whole lot quicker. It was messy because every day he got into my car and literally he just had like tire just mess and all over him and he just left the, the stench of cigarettes in my car. It got messy sometimes. It got all of those things. But can I tell you this? It was always, always, always worth it. When you live your life being a part of the mission, when you live your life helping seek and save and get other people home, it will bring upon you the best feeling that you have ever felt. Why is that? Because you're finally doing what you were created to do. You and I are made in the image of God. His image, his persona is that he seeks and saves people. When you start participating in the image of God, you're made in, boy, that feeling comes on you. And all of a sudden you start feeling fulfilled. 
you start feeling like, yes, this is awesome. I feel like I'm doing something with my life because you're participating in what you were created to do. God calls the church, capital C, God calls the church in Scripture three things. He refers to us as a family, He refers to us as a body, and He refers to us as home. A family, a body, and home. And when I thought about that, I thought, oh my gosh, this makes complete sense. Jesus came to rescue the family, restore the body, and return us home. The only reason, watch this, the only reason you can return home is because you were rescued. The only reason you can be saved is because you've been served with the life of Jesus. I wanna spend my life helping other people get home. This ain't home. As good as it might be, as bad as it might be, we are passing through. Do not get too attached to here. Do not fall too much in love with here. You fall in love with getting people there. And boy, you will feel so fulfilled. You'll feel amazing. Why don't we stand to our feet right now? Seeking and saving. Why don't we bow our heads all across the room tonight? The only reason any of us are getting home is because over 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his father decided to do a rescue mission. It's the only reason we get home. Boy, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, if you're, if you're grateful for that, just, just under your breath right now, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you decided to do a rescue mission. Thank you that, that it wasn't on me. If it was on me, we are all in a heap of trouble. But Jesus, you came to do what I could not do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be a part of helping other people get home right now with, with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and right now, apart from Him, you know the best you could ever get by way of home is here. But if you don't want here to be the best, and you want what's ahead, what He has prepared for you to be your best, and you want to place faith, surrendering your life to Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that right then in that moment you can be saved. I love what Pastor Layton said in the service right before this one. Grace is the fastest thing on this planet. Grace will get to you so quick, you can't outrun grace. Some of you have been running from God for a long, long time. Your legs are not strong enough to keep running from the grace of God. You will never outrun Him. As long as you are breathing oxygen on this planet, He will pursue you. He will chase you. He will run after you. His grace is constantly pursuing us. And tonight is the night, man. You just got to surrender. You just got to say, God, I've been trying it without you. God, I've been trying to make it without you. I've been trying to run and do this thing on my own. But God, I'm going to stop running tonight. I'm going to receive your grace. I'm going to accept your salvation. God, I'm going to place faith in the person of Jesus. I can go from death to life. I can go from old to brand new. I am a new creation in Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is the best thing you could ever do. Hundreds of people in this room have made this decision before you. Come on, just lift it high. Man, there's hands like in every section. Just lift it high. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Let's all say this after me. Everyone say, Lord Jesus. 
tonight I recognize my need for you. I thank you for the cross that you died and rose again to save me from my sins. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Now come on, let's put our hands together. Let's thank God for salvation. Let's thank God for Jesus. Let's thank God for the cross. Oh, come on, lift up a shout of praise.